All right, good morning, Three Rivers Church. I'm so glad that you guys were able to gather together in your families and, and perhaps in your uh, small groups of 10 and under and worship together, hear the word of the Lord together. And maybe if you're watching this at home and uh, you're, you're not a regular attender or member of Three Rivers Church, we're glad that you're watching. And I just want to invite you to grab a Bible and study along with us. And if you don't have a Bible, I'm going to read the passage. No worries there want you to be able to hear the word of the Lord on Mother's Day. So today is Mother's Day, and we're going to be looking at Genesis 1, verse 26 to 31. And just a, just a word to you, Three Rivers members and regular attenders, if there's some good news that you're aware of in our community and things that you're doing together and things uh, that, that are happening in our fellowship, shoot them to me via email so we can share those with everyone and continue to be lifted up and encouraged. And so just ask you to do that. Looking forward to the next time we can gather together to worship the Lord. So today, Mother's Day, I want to say this to you also as well. Um, if you're a lady and Mother's Day is hard for you, I know the temptation when we're gathered is to just not come uh, to worship on those days. And maybe right now you're watching this and going, gosh, it's Mother's Day and I am just in a place where Mother's Day doesn't fit me and I don't want to listen. Can I encourage you to just hang on with me today? This might not be your typical Mother's Day sermon. So if you would, grab a Bible or listen, and we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. So just hang with me for a little bit, and I think you'll see that this will be very, very encouraging for you ladies, for you women, for you mothers. Mother's Day can be hard for many women because some have lost mothers tragically. Mother's Day can be hard because mothers, moms, women have lost children tragically. Or perhaps they're a widow who lost their husband Tragically, with no prospect of another husband or perhaps having to now raise children on their own with no spouse to help. Or perhaps it's hard for some women who don't think themselves as mothers because they've not had biological children. Or maybe it's hard for some women who don't think themselves mothers because they're single and don't have the prospect of a husband on the horizon and therefore the prospect of having any children anytime soon. So I'd like to take our eyes off the holiday of Mother's Day and focus on what God says about womanhood, what He says about motherhood. And these notes are going to be posted below the video that you're watching. And I think you're going to notice that I'm using motherhood and womanhood synonymously because motherhood comes out of womanhood. And in fact, when Adam names his wife, he names her Eve, meaning the mother of all the living and even her name has some deep significance for village life even later on perhaps even though she didn't directly give birth to and so what i want us to see is womanhood and motherhood work together and it's vital why is this important because mothering is deeper and more glorious than simply being married or even giving birth. There are women who are married who give birth and they don't mother. And what I want us to see is womanhood and motherhood are much deeper than marriage and giving birth. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Marriage is good and it's holy and it's right. 
And marriage fulfills a strategic part of the mission of God. But marriage does not define God's image in women. Giving birth does not define God's image in women. In fact, marriage is temporary. It's not forever. Womanhood and mothering that comes out of womanhood is an image of God issue that will stay with women for eternity. In fact, womanhood and motherhood is being redeemed and brought to fullness in the full establishment of the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal God, the one in whose image we are created. He came and he took on flesh and he lived perfectly and satisfied the righteousness and justice of God. And he died in our place for our sin. He was buried and he rose and he ascended to complete salvation for all who would repent and believe that good news. And now Colossians 1, 15 to 20, Ephesians chapter 1, Jesus is reconciling all things and bringing them back underneath created intent and rule and order. And that includes womanhood and motherhood. And that is eternal and will live on forever in the eternal kingdom when Jesus returns and finally and fully establishes it. Marriage won't. And so therefore, rather than focusing on some pragmatic functions of marriage, I want us to see the created image of God in womanhood and motherhood. The image of God in men and women have innate value and purpose, whether married or not whether having children or not. So women, if you're not married and you have not had or perhaps cannot have biological children, you can still be a spiritual mother to others because mothering is not merely biological and it's not merely pragmatic. In fact, we must not think of mothering as a one-dimensional physical identity or function. That's perhaps a different team. That's not Trinitarian Christian theology. Mothering is built into women as the image of God long before we consider merely having children biologically or being married. Because you see, there is glory to see in the nature and character of God via womanhood and mothering before we see its function in subduing created order. Mothering is a gift given by God to all women to exercise in His kingdom that serves then to point people to the glory of the Trinitarian God of the Bible. So, love for you to take your Bibles now in your family unit or in your small group of 10 and under and read the passage together. And then we're going to come back and ask our key questions. What does it say? What does it teach us about God? What does it teach us about mankind? And how can we apply it? So go read the passage together. All right, Genesis 1, 26 to 31. You've read the passage. I want to read it quickly and make some observations on what the text says. We want to see how it fits and what the intent of its fitting is in the narrative. Genesis 1, 26 to 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over 
over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So what does our passage say? What does it tell us? Well, first we see that this passage tells us that the Trinitarian God created humans in His image. In fact, the text tells us God speaks of Himself in the plural. And, and, and this is the first hint in the Bible that God is unique, that He is one. And in His oneness, He is made up of three distinct yet of the same essence parts that He is going to build into His creatures. The Trinitarian God created Humans. We also learn in this passage, it tells us that humans are created uh, by their nature and the image of God as a unity and distinction. One person that is distinct in parts. In fact, here's a nice little definition of Trinity for you that helps us see the image we're created in. There are three persons in the one true and living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they are the same in substance, but equal in power and glory. One God, three distinct parts, same substance, equal in power and glory. And He made male and female in that image. Third thing we see that our text tells us is that humans carry the image and likeness of Trinitarian glory. Men, women carry the likeness, the image of Trinitarian glory. In fact, two words are used here that are distinct. Image, this word that means shadow or replica. And then he uses another word, likeness, which means model or shape. Now, some people say that that first word that means that's translated image carries spiritual characteristics. Some say that second word, likeness, carries physical characteristics. Some say that one of the words tells us that we are very much like God and the other communicates that we're not exactly like God. And I think it's a little bit of all of that. But the point being Moses is making here, he wants us to see that the one God who is distinct and unique from all of created order, who is absolutely holy, made mankind in his Trinitarian image, that we are very much like God, but we are not God. And so there's that component that men and women are made in that image. The fourth thing we see that we learn from the passage is that Trinity's image is male and female. Trinity's image is male and female. Male and female are to exercise then dominion over created order and subduing it together. And male and female are to multiply and fill the earth. We learn here that God blessed male and female. He blessed His image in humans to fulfill the mission. And then finally, we see that our text tells us that female, woman, mothering is created by God and is in God's image. It's important that we say that because it's Mother's Day and we are talking about Mother's Day and we're looking in the text to define it for us. But female, womanhood, mothering is created in the image of God. So that's what the text tells us. So what do we learn about women, motherhood, mothering? 
the image of God in man. What do we learn about God in this passage? Well, there's some observations I think it's important for us to note on Mother's Day. Remember, ladies, I told you to hang with me here, okay? So keep hanging tight. Number one, women like men are made in the image and likeness of the Trinitarian God. It's important that we recognize and that we understand here that we are learning something about the nature of mankind. And that is that women, like men, are made in the image of the Trinitarian God. Therefore, and this is huge, mothering is part of the image and likeness of God. Now, note this. God chooses to refer to Himself as He. And there's order in creation that is derived from God in that that's important for us to observe and believe and act on. And so God refers to Himself as He. And He creates order in that. However, that does not in any way diminish this truth that God carries the attributes of mothering in His person and in His nature that is essential to us as His creatures. Women image forth parts of God's nature that we must see. We have to recognize that. We need to glory in it. And we need to employ that in created order. So we see, number one, that women, like men, are made in the image and likeness of the Trinitarian God. We also see number two here, when we're talking about what we learn about the nature of women, motherhood, is that the entrance of sin that we didn't read in our passage, but we know is coming in chapter 3, the entrance of sin is going to strike hard at the image of God in women. But the curse is not going to render mothering fruitless by merely striking at biological mothering and biological reproduction to make it difficult and hard. In fact, one of the lessons we've learned as we study through Genesis is God defeats the curse with the curse. God tramples over death by death in the cross. God uses sin's intent against itself. And God is going to defeat sin with sin's unintended consequences. We're going to see that God will cause mothering as we read the scriptures to be put on full display through women who maybe wrestle through not having to have or not being able to have children or wrestle through not having husbands or wrestle through tragedy that renders their mothering and their womanhood to be difficult and hard. God is going to put on full display, women mothering children not their own, women mothering and becoming spiritual mothers to people and even nations. In fact, we're going to see in Judges chapter 4 and Judges chapter 5 that Deborah, who leads and exercises wisdom, and in fact, we learn in Judges chapter 5 verse 7, becomes a mother to the nation as she pushes Barak to do his duty that God is going to take the curse that is set on us and He's going to defeat it by causing motherhood to be put on display in its full glory. The third thing we learn about the nature of womanhood and mothering and we learn about God in this passage is that mothers share in the creation mandate to have dominion over created order. Verse 28 reminds us of this. Mothering's dominion knows no bounds to four walls or even a cubicle. In fact, mothering has a global application. 
Everywhere we put our feet, there is a need for the exercise of mothering in the lives of other women, in the lives of our little ones, and even serving to push to service men who may not be doing their task. The fourth thing we learn about the nature of women and motherhood in our passage is that God blessed women. He blessed motherhood in order to exercise the mandate that He gave them to exercise dominion. We read in verse 28, it says that God blessed them. The word barek, meaning praising, to put His favor on God, praised the work of His hands. And in praising it, He infused it with power and the ability to carry out the task He gave to women and for motherhood. So therefore, God blessed motherhood. He blessed the ability to multiply, not just biologically or even through adoption that we will see in the text that's so important. He also blessed motherhood to be able to pour in all the resources of motherhood into all of created order. He blessed it to subdue creation. We also learn about the nature of mankind, motherhood, in this passage that Mankind, male and female, is absolutely glorious and therefore points us to the glorious name of the one and true God. God made mankind, male and female, in His image. And in so doing, when we look at male and female, the intent is to glory in, enjoy, and look up to the Trinitarian God that that image points us to. So those are very important Learnings, those are very important truths that we want to integrate into our thinking when it comes to our mothers and womanhood and mothering. So how do we make application of Genesis 1, 26 to 31? What are some things we need to believe? What are some things we need to know? And what are some things we need to do? The first thing I want to point out to us is we need to believe that mothering is as godlike as fathering. We need to believe that mothering is as godlike as fathering. It's not underneath It's not above, it is beside equal and absolute value and necessity for the people of God and for the world that mothering is as godlike as fathering. The second application is that we need to believe that mothering has the end of seeing the glory of God as first priority. Listen, ladies, your first priority as an image bearer of God is to recognize that your womanhood, your motherhood, is to point created order to the Trinitarian God in whose image you are made. And you find great, and I would argue, the greatest fulfillment in being that. That your life points to Jesus Christ as He images Himself through you and your womanhood. Third, because of those things... I want you to know that you can mother, now hear this, this is super important, that you can mother by discipling, by teaching, and leading others who need the unique and glorious nurturing of motherhood. You can mother by providing the image of God for other women and other little ones who need that unique component of God's nature exercised in them. Our world, particularly in Western Christianity, is filled with spiritual orphans who perhaps got exposed to the good news and praise God they did. 
but no one walked with them and exercised the image of God and mothering and fathering beside them to teach them how to follow Jesus. I was a spiritual orphan. And it wasn't until later on into my walk with Jesus that someone took me under their wing and became a spiritual father. We have spiritual orphans who don't know how to follow Jesus because no one taught them. The Bible tells us to make disciples of all nations. That's a personal command and a corporate command. Meaning all of us as individuals and us as churches have the responsibility to disciple people into faith in Jesus Christ. And when that happens, it is then our responsibility to teach them to observe everything the Lord Jesus commanded. So I don't want you mothers, women, to allow not having or not being able to have children or a marriage rob you of mothering because there are others who need you to be a spiritual mother to them. And your mothering instinct that God wired in you because it's the image of God in you can be radically fulfilled as you invest those mothering skills and those mothering instincts that point people to Jesus in others' lives. Mothering is God's image displayed to show His glory, to bring people to worship Jesus and subdue created order. So ladies, that is a task that is in front of you that is in great need. So know you can mother by discipling and teaching and leading others with that glorious piece of the image of God in you. Fourth, very important, don't let Satan accuse you because you are single, divorced, widowed, or unable to have children. Don't let Satan accuse you. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1 to 2 gives us a glimpse into the throne room of heaven. And the high priest is standing before the Lord and Satan is standing beside him to accuse him to God. And so much of our thought in regard to ourselves comes from that accusation from the enemy to God. As a matter of fact, Satan is referred to as the accuser of the people of God. And so therefore, women, mothers, don't let Satan accuse you because you're single, divorced, widowed, or unable to have children. Your motherhood is a powerful weapon against the curse of sin. And your motherhood is there to show us who God is. And I want to give you just a few examples of how your motherhood shows us who God is. These are things that uniquely I observe in my wife, Jennifer. These are things I see in her, and I see some of these in other women as well. I see some of these in our single women. I see some of these in our widowed ladies. I see these things, and they are glorious images of the Creator God, Jesus Christ, that as we see them, point us to who He is. And I would argue as they are exercised in the world, become some of the most amazing evangelistic tools to show people the reality of the Trinitarian God of the Bible. So let me share them with you very quickly. First, and these are all under the fourth application of not letting Satan accuse us because of the situation we find ourselves in. In fact, our motherhood is a powerful weapon that needs to be exercised. And here's how it can be done. Let me share them with you. First, There's a fierce mama bear love for spiritual and physical offspring that shows us God's fierce love for His children. I haven't exercised that kind of love. I have a different kind of love as a father, but I've seen this in my wife and I see it in other mothers. This fierce mama bear love that protects their family 
And that is not there for us to just look at. It's there for us to look at and glory in and look up to God who built that into women to point us to Him because He carries that in His nature. And I know that may be uncomfortable for some people because we have a tendency to simply view God as as only male But the Bible teaches us that God in His image created male and female. So those mothering components are in the very nature of God. And so when we see mama's love like that, spiritual mothers, biological mothers, adopted mothers, love like that, it is to point us to the fierce love of God for His people. And where do we see that worked out the most? We see it worked out in the cross where Jesus' love for His people is so intense. That he exercises that love by going to the cross to take the wrath of justice in our place for our sin. And that puts on display for us a fierce mother-like mama bear love that shows us God's fierce love for his children. The next thing I see in motherhood is this strong and detailed discernment in knowing the mind of a room and the atmosphere of a room. That is a special gift. Most men walk into a room absolutely oblivious. Women can walk into a room and instantly take the temperature of the room and take the temperature of relationships. And that strong and detailed discernment shows us the powerful work of the Holy Spirit to counsel us when we don't know. That womanhood, that mothering gift of discernment shows us and points us to the reality of the Holy Spirit's counseling work. Third component that must be exercised is this glorious multitasking tool of motherhood and womanhood and getting stuff done. And that multitasking tool shows us the Trinitarian reality of one God and three distinct persons, same essence, same glory, same power, working in all of created order, order, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, very much multitasking to bring all things back to its Edenic state through the cross. And when we see our women and our mothers exercising that multitasking tool that so wears them out so often, it is a glorious display of God so that we can see God's Trinitarian work and created order. This one is special to me, and it's this initiative taking that our mothers, our women put on display. This initiative taking like Deborah to judge and mother and war even when some men are too weak or passive to lead, that then gives them that extra shove to get in gear, that shows us, that puts on display this powerful call of the Trinitarian God to move mankind to the mission from being static. Deborah's life isn't just a pragmatic example to imitate. It is that. But Deborah's life in the book of Judges is an image of the Trinitarian God pushing us to mission, keeping us on task by taking initiative. God doesn't leave the mission merely up to us. He moves it forward. He pushes us out of the nest by difficulty and providentially hard circumstances that move us out of comfort so that we stay on task. And when we see our precious women taking that kind of initiative, we are pointed to the reality that God in His Trinitarian nature moves us from static states to active states that keep the mission moving forward. And simply in regard to the illustration of Deborah, 
We have an abundance in our context of passive men who sit floundering while capable and awesome women set the pace. And I want to say to you, women, thank you, you Deborahs. Thank you, you ladies who set the pace in the kingdom of God. You are there to show us the powerful call of God to move us to action. And that motherhood is worked out when you do that. The last example under application number four I want to share with you is this untiring ability to keep going long after the rest of us have tuckered out. I often use the illustration of a cordless tool and a car battery when it comes to men and women. Most of us men are a cordless tool. When our battery runs out, we're done. We have to go to bed, have to go to sleep, have to sit down, turn it off. But I don't know if you notice, our women are like a car battery that's connected to an alternator. They just stay charged. They can go, they can go, they can go. And that untiring ability that God wove into womanhood and mothering to keep going shows us, listen to this, the beautiful truth of the Trinitarian God that never sleeps or slumbers over His people. So when you look at women who just go and go and go and go, marvel, but then look up and say, God, that reminds me of that truth that you do not sleep over me. And there's never a moment when I'm unaware that you aren't working over me. So mothering and womanhood point us to the beautiful reality of the Trinitarian God. And our final application on this Mother's Day message is this. Let God's glory and motherhood and womanhood drive us to worship the God in whose image we see our women as we celebrate the Trinitarian God who gave such glory to the world. I think this is most clearly expressed in Psalm 8. I'm not going to read the whole psalm. It's really short, but I would encourage you to go read Psalm 8 because in verse 1 of Psalm 8 and verse 5 of Psalm 8, we see this intention of the image of God in men and women to point us to worship. Here's what it says. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And then verse 5 tells us one of the ways he points to that. You have made him, who's him? Mankind, male and female. You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. So what's the intent of women made in the image of God? Men made in the image of God? It's that we might do verse 1. That we might look up and say, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Look what you did. And so therefore, as we come to the end of this passage and this this sermon on Mother's Day, let's not just marvel at womanhood and mothering. Let's marvel at God who created that in humans, in our women, in our mothers, that point us to that part of Him that is so absolutely necessary so that this morning we worship well. The majesty of of the creative genius of God to make women in His image should make us look up and sing. So I want to invite you to worship the Lord today. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of where you find yourself, God gave us women and motherhood to see Him and worship. So let's take a look and see glory. 
And let's give God praise. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would cause us to glory in who you are because we see the imprint of your glory in womanhood and in mothering. Father, I ask for our women, our mothers, that you would cause them to take delight and comfort in who they are in Christ, regardless of circumstance. Let them look up from pragmatic details to the glorious image you built into them and give them great fulfillment and joy and hope and peace today then I pray that you would mobilize those precious women to the world, to our city, to make much of Jesus Christ and to make application of mothering in the world that you would be worshipped among all nations, that we may see the fulfillment of the great mission to see Jesus worshipped. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.